What's up, Four Points Church? How's everybody doing? Come on, man. I'm pretty excited this morning, so I'm going to need, like, I'm going to need everybody to stand up and thrust or do something exciting because I'm pretty pumped up. So let me try that one more time, and y'all can stand up and do whatever you want to. This is a good opportunity for y'all to go crazy. So how's everybody doing this morning? I see one thruster. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to jump right into why I am pumped up. First of all, it's the first time in a couple weeks that I have uh, preached. I was here last week, and my uncle did an amazing job. And so I am pumped up to be back after two weeks. And so uh, the staff and I talked a while ago, and they said, we want you to take a couple-week break. And while that was a good idea, and I'm grateful, uh, I'm like a horse in a stable that has not gotten to race in a while And so we might talk fast today, and we might be a little crazy, but I'm really pumped up. But that's not really the reason I'm most excited. The reason I'm most excited is this series that we're starting today. And this series is the four-point stance, but specifically the very first one, hashtag, we are four points, right? It's this. It's the very start of the four-point series. And so I want to tell you what it's about, and then we're going to dive right in. What four-point stance is about is going to be ten of these dudes, ten of these dudes, that are going to hang up as you walk in. I'm going to try not to blind y'all, because if I do this, it blinds y'all. See? There you go, Bill. But uh, we're going to hang these guys out here in the Next Steps area, in the Four Points Cafe area. So when you walk into our church, you'll see these kind of things. And this one specifically says, we are Four Points. We exist to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Christ and see lives change as a result. And the reason that we want to do this and have these all over, and by the way, I think um, the staff did a really good job, Austin and the staff, picking out the pictures and the fonts and all that, because I did not do that. But I think they did a really good job with that. But when I walk into like a locker room, if a coach tells me, hey, dude, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to play, but I don't see anything on the walls, I'm kind of like, y'all aren't really serious about it. Like, y'all don't really want to do these things. But when I walk into a place and it says, play like a champion today, and, and like you can t- slap something. You can, please don't slap these, by the way, but, it, but you can slap something, right? You, can, you know what it's about. We want people, when they walk into these doors, like when they walk in, they may even say this place isn't for us, and that's okay, but they're going to know what we are about. And the number one thing that we are about is reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel as a group. And so today, the whole thing that we're talking about is this, but not specifically this, these verses. I just preached on that recently. I'm going to hit on it at the very end. But I really believe the Lord pulled me in a different direction this morning, and it's one of the reasons I'm so pumped up about today's message. And it's this thought. Have y'all ever been, um, like, watching on TV or something? Have y'all ever seen, like, schools of fish? Have seen schools of fish? And the way that they move, how many of y'all have seen that? Y'all have seen, like, the way that they move? All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Put your hands down if Finding Nemo is the only time you've seen it. And I want y'all to be honest. because Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Some of y'all are being honest, right? Because y'all have seen Finding Nemo and like, oh, they're trying to get through the net, right? Y'all have seen it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specifically, specifically I'm talking about like when fish are working together and birds are really the same. But fish blow my mind. Like if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, it's, how does a fish that's like this big, this little guy, they know what the dude like, I don't know how many, there's a bunch of them in a typical school of fish, but a thousand fish away, they know what that dude's about to do, and they all move as one. If that doesn't freak y'all out, I'm about to show y'all a video. It's only about a minute long. It's going to freak you out a little bit. Like, it's weird. 
How do those guys know to do this? They make a, it looks like an organism in the water. Watch. This is crazy. This blows my mind. I want y'all to see this. The vortexes created by fish can be so spectacular, they appear almost like an alien organism. They move like one too, a creature that shapeshifts before our eyes. Fish have a lateral line system sensitive to pressure waves that runs like a series of hidden ears along the body. This picks up the tiny movements of neighboring fish so they can mirror each other's actions in perfect synchrony. The lateral line also detects predators. Sailfish are built to deal with this superorganism. They are the fastest fish in the ocean. But like birds, they find that dealing with a swarm isn't easy. If any member of the shoal detects danger, they use pheromones to warn the others. With so many individuals on the lookout, their senses are amplified. It's difficult for predators to take them by surprise. I love that video because, one, I just think it's cool, and the sailfish is pretty cool to watch how fast it swims, so that's just the nerd side of me. But, like, I think it's so amazing. Does that not freak anybody else out that, by the way, that, I like the guy's accent, so I'm going to try to talk like him for a second. Y'all just stay with me. The pheromones, y'all heard it too. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, like, does it not freak anybody else out? Like, they start looking like an organism, and then they the pheromones that they put off, like, they know what each other's going to do, and they put off because it's, it's harmony. They're working as a group to try to accomplish a goal. The goal right there with the sailfish is to stay alive, right? That's not really our goal, hopefully. Every day when you go through your life, hopefully it's not your goal that you have to try to stay alive. But there's other things in life that if we lived in harmony, it would be awesome. What if we looked like that in our lives? And I'm not talking about fish swimming in a circle so fast, making the vortex, although I do think it's pretty cool. I'd like to try it. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having harmony in our lives, living a life of harmony. How many of y'all would like to have harmonious lives in your household? And if you have kids and don't raise your hand, I'm calling you a liar right now, all right? Because truthfully, it's hard, right? Harmony is simply defined as a, as a group of parts that work together. It, it's, it's a pleasing arrangement of parts. That, that's the definition. But, but when we consider the church, is that really what we think about? A pleasing arrangement of parts. Typically, what I think about when I think about a church is I think about a pastor who has a loud mouth. Hello. And, and we think about all these other people, right? That, well, their job's important. Well, their job's important. Well, well that, even that person, his job's important. But I don't mind. I don't matter. And that vortex, did it seem like, and maybe there is, maybe I'm missing something, but did it seem like one of the fish were, were more important than the other ones? What do y'all think? Y'all can talk. This is a good time to talk. Did, did it seem like a fish was more important than the other one? No. What did it seem like? They were all working in harmony, in unison, and no fish was more important than the other. No, no fish was more important than the other. Harmony. In the original language, the word for harmony was this 
crazy word that I'm not even going to try to do because I'll jack it up completely. But the, but the definition, and it, it first stood for harmony, but the definition was intercourse. Intercourse, y'all know what that is? <laughs> Thank you, okay. Y'all, y'all know what intercourse is typically? Okay, good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for me at least because I'm married and I like intercourse. It's good. If that freaks y'all out, we might need to have another talk for another day, all right? But intercourse is a good thing, right? But it's not what we think about in church. Like, did Pastor Mark really say that? Intercourse should be how the churches function because that seems like it would mess it up. If you're talking about that way, it would. But, but in this way, listen, listen. Intercourse is, intercourse is the picture of two becoming one. Well, I'm talking about the group. Excuse me. Specifically, this is, this is Paul and other people talking about a lot of different groups coming together. And that's what intercourse looks like for the church. That's what harmony looks like. For the church, and that's why that word is important in that Greek word that I'm not even going to try to describe. That's why it's important when it means the coming together of a a body or different groups, a bunch of different people. And so I want y'all to just consider this as I'm going to throw something up on the screen in just a second. And I want y'all to just consider this. In every church you've ever been to, or if this is the first time you've ever been to church, and we're pumped that you're here if it is, but in every church that you've ever been to, Do you really feel like you're a part of something really big that God is doing, that we're going to change the world? Or do you feel like that dude's the most important, and then there's a couple others, and then I'm just somewhere left in between, and we're pretty much doing our own thing? Because we have two choices in the church. We have two choices. And this is what I believe is cut and dry, and it's down the line. We can be many parts Look at me, look at me. We can be many parts. That's what you guys are. That's what I am. We can be many parts of one body, or we can be many bodies falling apart. We can be many parts of one body, or we can be many bodies falling apart. And the the choice is ours. Like, the choice is yours, and yours in the back, and yours over here. The choice is all of ours right here. Because the truth is, so often we look and we say, that person will do what I should do, but I'm not really worried about it because I know those people will step up. I know those people will give. I know those people will serve. I know those people will do. Listen, the least, the lost, and the lonely, they're out there. And God wants to change the world more than we ever will. But until we live harmoniously, we're never going to do it because it looks like this. It looks like this picture. We're many parts of one body. And Jesus is the head, not Mark. Not Mark. Please make sure if you don't leave with anything else, leave with this. I'm not the head of this church. I'm the pastor of this house. But God is the head of the church. Specifically, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the rock that we build on, not the pastor. And by the way, you might not be able to read this, but Mandy, Allison, Megan, Madison, there's, there's all kinds of different names that are your names in the church. I see a bunch of your names right now. I won't read them all, but we put your names in there to show you that that's what we mean is, is you guys, when we live harmoniously, and me, We make up the church, like us together. That's what God intended for it to be like, is is a group of people like those fish. That when one's hurting, we bump them, right? And we set off shock shock things or whatever those dudes do that's crazy. It blows my mind when those big sailfish are coming to get them. Because the sailfish should get them, right? They're so fast. And they can't because they're working in unison and harmony. And it's amazing. But typically what, I, what I've experienced, what I've experienced is, is the other side. We're many different bodies, and I'm not talking specifically about four points. I'm talking 
just in general. We're many bodies, but we're not many parts of one body. We're, we're just many bodies that come in collectively. We pay our penance to God for the week. God, I feel like if I do this, I'll get you off my back. You won't be mad at me anymore. I don't want you to be mad at me, so I want to go to church. And I even want to read my Bible. I'll even give a little bit of money to the church because I don't want you to be mad at me. And so to be a part of something greater where God changes the world, that's not really something we're interested in. The only thing that we want to do is make sure that God doesn't hate us. We want to make sure that we're not on the bad list, on the naughty list when it comes to Jesus. And so we're just like floating bodies going around. If one of those fish, y'all look this way, if one of those fish swim out of, the, out of the vortex or out of the school and the sailfish is around, it's dead just like this. Because on its own, it has no hope. And as soon as it comes together and says, you know, I don't care if I'm the very bottom or the very top or somewhere in between or in the middle squished together. I don't care as long as I get to be a part. The minute that that is our attitude in the church, we will change the world forever. But it's so difficult to find a body, meaning us, that come together and say, I don't care if I'm important. I don't care if I'm a toe, which is kind of weird. I don't care whatever I am, right? I don't care. Just let me be a part. I want to live in harmony. My goodness would I kill to have harmony in every part of my life. Where there's chaos, where I, my goal in life is just to get my kids in bed so I don't lose my mind, right? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Just let me sit down in my chair at the end of the day. There's no harmony. It's just chaos, what if I came in here and I said, yes, I get to be a part of something bigger? Well, it's on us. That's what's so difficult about this. Is it's on each one of us. For this to be truly how we are identified by them out there. It's like, I want to be a part of that because there's something different. Then we have to decide if that's what we really want. So when Paul was about to pass away, Paul was about to die. If you don't know who Paul is, I want you to get your Bibles and flip over to the New Testament and start reading after Acts and read basically to the end, not quite to the end, and that's all of Paul's letters. He wrote 13 of them. It's really cool. Maybe the most influential man that's ever walked on this planet, not named Jesus. 13 letters he wrote, and at the very end, he was in this prison in Rome called Mamertime, and he's writing, this, he's writing this letter, his final work to Timothy, who was his young pastor that was his apprentice that he was teaching, and he was teaching about this is, this is what the church should look like, guys. This is, this is it. Like, you have choices, you'll, you'll either be many parts of one body or many bodies falling apart, but this is it, this is, this is what it should look like, and so I want to give you a final letter. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, these are the words of Paul, and I believe they, they nail us right here today in how this is going to be our reality, how this is going to be the beginning of who our culture is, that when someone walks in the room, they don't just see play like a champion, but they know play like a champion. This is who we are, and this is what Paul said, and I think it's critical, I think it's urgent to him because... The reason I believe he wrote what he wrote, and I, the reason I think this is almost impossible is because every single one of us want what we want, right? I'm not asking you to want what I want. I'm asking you to want what God's called us to do, to have his heartbeat, not Mark's. And this is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 19. He said, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. Now watch this carefully. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows, guys, you can raise your hand and pray a prayer, and I can believe in my heart that you're one of his, but only God knows if you've been sealed by him because you've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. God knows that. 
God knows your heart, and God knows if you're his child. And so this is what Paul said to me. Only God really knows. But I trust that most of you are. I trust that most of you are, but only God knows. God knows if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior because you're bearing his seal, this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone whose name, excuse me, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquities. Now, I want to stop and tell you quickly what iniquities are because I think most of you would assume that you would know it's sin. So you're just like, all right, keep going. But like this word iniquities was interesting to me when I was studying the, the deep, the deep meaning of it. It's, it's specifically, it's, it's a life of gross immorality, not necessarily just sexual immorality, but gross immorality. It's a life that when someone identifies you, now listen carefully to this, when someone identifies you, if they identify you with gross immorality, whatever that may be, whatever that may be, gossip can be gross immorality because you, when you come around, someone says, man, I'm going to tell you what, that dude right there, all he ever does is talk about people when, when I'm around. Well, that, that's gross immorality. That, that, if people identify me, me with me with anything other than who I am, where I live, and then my walk with Jesus Christ, like if, if all they know about me is a sin, that is iniquities. If people are describing you in this way, even if it was what you brag about, we got to stop. Because the truth is, this is what God's saying. Let everyone who depart from this, stop. Don't even brag about what you used to do in the past. If God uses it, if God uses it to help someone that is hurting, then so be it. That's awesome. But other than that, don't talk about it. That is your past. That is what God saved you from as Shannon was praying this morning. That is the truth. There's some jacked up people in this room, starting with your pastor. There's no, bigger, there's no bigger person that struggles with sin than this guy. But if the only thing that defines me is what I've done or what I am currently doing, then I'm not a person that has been sealed by him. And so the next verse will make more sense because this is what Paul says, like there's two different kinds and this is what makes up the church and this is why we have such a struggle. And most likely this is why so many churches don't have harmony. This is what he says in verse 20. Now in a great house, and Paul would describe this as a great house. I think it's a great house. I like it. I like four points. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honorable and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel, excuse me, he will be a vessel for honorable use. If someone leaves their iniquities and turns from them, and the Lord Jesus comes inside of you, and cleanses you from it, because that's the only way you really want to change, right? I know so many people that look at me and say, Pastor Mark, may happen this week. Pastor Mark, I'm just, I, I'm tired of doing these things that I do over and over. I just want to change. I just want to change. I just want to change. What can I do? Um, you can't. Man, you can, you, you, can, you can put your mind to something, man. And I believe for a short time period you can stop, but ultimately it comes down to the heart. It comes down to the heart. The reason I think that Mark Pangle struggles with iniquity so bad is not because I'm the worst person in the world, but because I'm a man. And the best of men are men at the best. The best of ladies, the best of you ladies, you're, you're women at the best. The best. That's all we are. And that means we're fallen. And that means we'll never meet the mark. And that means we'll struggle for the rest of our lives until we realize that he's Lord and I'm not. Now, I just want to tell you all this, and this is just a throw in. For the last six months, 
for the last six months, and I think it's somewhere around that. God's been, God's been dealing with me like banging on me in my personal life. Every time I talk to the Lord, every time I open my Bible, every time I'm alone, I believe the Lord has, man, it's just been like a wrestling match. And I just want to like cry and then scream and cry again. And I'm like, okay, can we get to the end so I can like enjoy this thing? Because it's crazy. And what God's showing me more than anything is like this. Starting back with iniquities and then going to this. Honorable and dishonorable. And why is the church dishonorable? Like that's the question. Because specifically the question I'm answering is not why are you, but why am I? And I believe dishonorable means that you're putting on a front and specifically you're lost and, and you're, you're making it look like you're not. But for me particularly, with the iniquity side of things, because I know you guys know what I'm talking about for the most part. Maybe you don't struggle with sin. That's awesome. You're at the wrong church. But, but for those of you that do struggle with sin, for those of you that do struggle, and this guy is the worst that struggles, it's so frustrating. I could look in the mirror and go, listen, I'm educated. And I'm up here standing in front of people. I'm pastoring. Why is sin such a struggle for me? Why do I go back to those things that I hate? And this is what I'm telling y'all. This is what, if y'all get on Facebook and you see a blog thing, I wrote three this week, and specifically on Thursday, I wrote one called um, Pride Goes Before the Fall. And it's what God's really been dealing with in my life for the last, like I said, at least six months. I'm like, no, I don't struggle with pride, man. I do my quiet time every day. I'm a pastor. I don't struggle with pride. I think pastors may be the people that struggle with pride more than anything else, and this is what it looks like. Buddy of mine will call me today. How many people did you have? If we actually have 205, I'll tell him, that's about 215. I'll round up, right? And it's funny, but it's true. Why? Because I want people to be impressed with me. And if certain people walked into the room today, I would be embarrassed because I would want more people here because I would want them to think greatly of myself. I can, I can mask it any way that I want to. But around certain people, I'm not, I'm not disappointed to tell how many people are, are in the church. And then sometimes I'm almost embarrassed to tell. Why? Because that's called pride. That's called pride. And then there's some people who say, man, you did a great job. I enjoyed that message today. And I'm like, nah, it was terrible. That's called pride. That's called false humility, which is the same thing. When people are complimenting you and you, try to, and you just tell them, no, I'm not good enough, that's pride. Believing in my heart that maybe I'll never be good enough. Pride. Because I'm telling God that, God, you're not quite good enough to make someone good. You should have made another one of these guys. Pride. And the, the constant theme, I read four books. This is, I put this in my blog. I read four books at the beach while I was at the beach. About four different, completely different subjects. Leadership and giving and a self-help personal type book. Four different things, and prayers was the other one, and, and they all dealt with pride. And I'm like, God, I'm listening, all right? It's enough. This is what I'm realizing, and then I'm going to move on. I don't really think men and women that love Jesus ever fall until pride creeps in. If you'll read Isaiah and you'll go back and read my blog, I'll show you specifically where it is. Satan fell because of pride. His name was Lucifer. He was the head angel. He was the angel over worship. He was the number one in charge, and pride is why he fell. Ultimately, this is what pride means. I'm looking at God, and I'm saying, God, I can do this as good as you can. And by the way, I've done it before when I was leaning on you, so I don't need to lean on you anymore. Listen to me right here. The point that I get to that point in my life 
is the scariest place to be a human being, period. Because this is what I'm ultimately saying. God, it's been a, it's been a great ride. And I'm going to keep letting you have a small part. There's a little fist for today. But I really don't need you. I really don't need you. I got this thing today. And I believe in Western civilization. And I'm going to hit on this more later in the year. But today specifically, God put it on my heart this morning. In Western civilization, I do not believe there's a harder place in the world to not be prideful because we have so many nice things. At the drop of a hat, we can buy our way out of anything. And so to desperately need the Lord is almost uncommon, even in the church. We will never be a house that is honorable for God if we walk out of here and we say, God, I only need you on Sundays and when I need you. When I need to pay a bill or when I need to do these things, that, that's when I need you. But I'm not desperate for you until we're desperate. Where he's all I need. Then I do not need him. And you can mask it and you are allowed to disagree with me and be wrong right now. You are not desperate. You are not making him Lord. And if he's not the Lord of my life, then what I'm telling him is when you're needed, I'll call you. But other than that, don't call me. Like I want to read my Bible so God's not mad at me, but I don't want to give him everything. And so honestly... What I've gone back and looked is even in ministry for the last 10 years I've been in ministry, but there's been many times that it's been dishonorable. Not unsaved, I'm certainly saved. What I'm saying is that it's been all about me. And therefore I've been many parts, very few times. And I've been many bodies, more often than not, because I come in with my agenda, wanting my thing. And as a result, Great things do not happen. I look back and say, God, why do these great things not happen in the churches that I'm in? Why do these great things not happen to me? Because I'm so worried about you. Because I'm so, so worried about everything else. And because I'm not solely worried about God. I'm going to be honest with you. When I got here this morning on the way here, I was so excited. I was praying and I was just like, man, I know like Leah said she has nine regular volunteers out that serve in the kids area. I don't care. Like, I want them here. That's not what I mean by I don't care, but it's cool. If no one shows up today and it's just me and God, that's cool. Because ultimately, this is what I believe in. Y'all stay with me. This is the way that you know whether or not you're honorable before the Lord. Not does he love you. He loves you no matter what you do. But this is the way to know if I'm going to be used by God. This is the way to know if I can have peace. This is the way to know, can I have harmony in my life? Is Jesus enough? If you lost everything today, if you lost your house and your car, if you lost your wife, that's a hard question. If you answer that yes right away, I'm going to come shake your hand and then maybe when I turn my back, call you a liar. But, like, if, is Jesus enough? Like, that's the whole answer that you've got to answer. That's what I've been wrestling with for six months. It's so hard. It's so hard. If you can say yes right away, man, I, I am so excited for you, but I don't know if I believe you. It is so hard because why? We can buy anything. We don't really need him. That's why I so desperately love Love, love to go to places like Nicaragua. Because when I see those people get saved, my friends that I've seen, when I see them get saved, they genuinely do because they can't rely on everything else. So they need God. Well, I don't need him. I have me. And I have all my stuff. And even if you would consider yourself poor in this room, you are not poor in this world. Because we have our stuff, man. And so when I look at this, I look at my iniquities and I think, God help me. Because so often I've said God help them, but that's not who God needs to help, it's me. And so for me to be many parts of one body, first I have to start with me and say, you know what? Sometimes I'm this word. Sometimes my heart hurts. 
then many times, oftentimes, I'm not desperate enough to get on my knees and beg God. I'm not desperate enough to look God in the face and say, man, more than anything else in this world, I want you. I'm so honored that you would use me. I'm so honored that you would allow me to have all of this and you would ask me for part of your money back, but it's just an opportunity. It's not something you want from me. It's what, something you want for me. I'm honored that you would allow me to pray to you to enter into the Holy of Holies and pray every single day to a holy God that created this universe. I'm honored that he would want me to read his word, not that I have to read his word. And if I miss a day, he's not mad at me because I don't do it so that I never miss. I do it so that because I get to. And at the point that I do these things, I can change the world. Guys, can I be honest with you? Recently, one of my, one of, a close friend of mine who's a pastor from another state started a church. He was my student pastor growing up. I had about 3,000 people in the church, and I, d- I deeply love him. I believe the Lord is working on his heart right now at a rehab center. And I believe, again, he will be greatly used by God. But in the meantime, the reason I believe he fell is because he went from honorable and greatly used to dishonorable. And I think it was one word. It was pride. And all of you may not struggle like I do, but I believe in this case and in many cases— like, I have people all the time come up to me, man, that pastor was so awesome. How did he fall? It's pride. Like, ultimately, it was pride. Like, it may have been other issues. Like, people are like, no, it was immorality. Yeah, it, but, but that came from pride. Because ultimately, God's not all he needed. And he looked back on his past successes, and he said, I'm good. Can I tell y'all, that particular thing doesn't scare me. They all do. And if they don't scare you, well, maybe it's pride. Maybe if you don't look yourself in the mirror every day and say, you know what, I'm capable of anything in 10 seconds. I'm 30 seconds away from stupid every time I walk out my door. And unless I'm desperate for God and I allow his Holy Spirit to fill me, well, I'm never going to be part of this great house that reaches the least, the lost, and the lonely. I'm going to be part of a, my mission, right? Because that's what the other option is. I'm many bodies falling apart. Many bodies falling apart. We're ready for every good work. Verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And ultimately, that's what it's all about is fleeing. And I believe the wisest man that's ever lived gave us kind of an example. Solomon was who that is. I love reading Solomon. I've been studying him more lately. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I believe he gave us a picture of how this happens. And I want to tell you this morning that this is why, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this is why, y'all look, this is why I believe it's so important to have accountability. And my uncle told me this the other day, and it was just kind of like a reminder because I thought it was so good. Accountability is not calling your buddy after you screw up. Accountability is having a buddy you can call before you screw up. Like, that's what accountability really is. When you're about to go and sin, whatever that struggle is of yours, that's, you call him. You don't, you call then, you don't call after and make yourself feel better. This is what I love. Watch this, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Y'all write this down if you don't have it. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. If you ever want to know why, it's a, why a we thing's better than a me thing, this is it. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall down, their buddy will lift them up. One will lift his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one, one-on-one, 
who is alone, to withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And this is what it's ultimately talking about. Guys, if we want to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel, it has to start with you. It has to start with you. And ultimately, the question that you have to answer is, when I get to heaven someday, and all of you will get to heaven, I just don't know if you'll get in, right? Only you know that. But we'll stand before a holy God at the white throne judgment. He'll look at us and say, why should I let you into heaven? And if we can't answer him because I knew you, because I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, because I gave him everything, because I was desperate more than, more than water and more than air, more than anything else in my life, I wanted Jesus to come inside of me because I realized who I am, a man full of pride, a man that needed, some, needed you more than anything else. And, and I needed you. And I wanted you, and I, and I bowed on my knees, and I said, Lord Jesus, come inside of me and change me forever from the inside out. Clean me from all my iniquities, from all my past failures. And this is what's so cool about God is he does, and he doesn't see them as they're far as, he, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even remember, he doesn't take an account of them anymore. And once that happens, and we come together, I believe we become like these fish where there's almost like pheromones that go off in the church. What if we were a part of something like that? where there were true believers that came in and said, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice all of me and all of my good to lift everyone else up and reach all these people out there. When we see people and they get in our way of our lives, is it annoying and overwhelming? And, oh, I just want them out of my life. Or do we love them? Love is ugly and messy and hurts. There's people in this room today, not just out there, that are the least, the lost, and the lonely. But so often in my life, because I am full of those iniquities, I look at them and say, you are wasting my time. And we can spin it any way we want to. But the reason falls back to pride. And I'm not part of a group that desperately wants to serve and love others. I'm part of me that desperately wants me to be served. And that is the only two choices to be many parts of one body or many bodies falling apart. And so often the church is defined by them out there, not us in here. By many bodies falling apart. And this is what Jesus ultimately said, and this is what is on our picture that we will hang. And when people walk in here, not only do I want them to see this picture and believe that about us, but I want them to know that about you and me. That I might be the kneecap, but I'm a stinking important kneecap because I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of the harmony and the fellowship of the saints. This is what, this is what Jesus ultimately said. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Whatever you did or didn't do for the least and the lost and the lonely, whatever you, whatever, whenever we looked at people, and this is what has really hit me in the gut, and I, want, I just want y'all, I'm finishing right now. What really hit me in the gut is this. I don't care if you're 15 years old or if you're 75 years old. Or, or everywhere in between, I don't care what your age is, how smart you think you are, how beautiful you think you are, what color you are. Honest to God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God made you just like he wanted to. And at the end of the day, this is what he looks at and says, not did you speak well, nope. Not did you tell thousands of people about Jesus. That's not what he asks. I believe sometimes it's the byproduct because of your giftedness. But ultimately it's this, did you love people? That's it. Did you love people? Do you love people enough to get out of your own lane on that fast lane that you were on and say, man, that person's really hurting? 
And I can use what God has given me because it's all his anyway, right? And I can love on that person. Sometimes they're in this house, by the way. They're not always out there. This is not a message that means we're only ever going to look out there. Sometimes we've got to look in. I have so much respect for the people in this house. And you know who you are. I'm not going to call you by name. Some are related to me. Some are close friends of me. And some I barely know. I have so much respect for those of you that look at people and say, man, I love you. No one else wants to talk to you. But I do. You're annoying <laughs> by the world's standards. But I sure love you. Do you know why? Because Christ first loved me. And the moment that you love them, do you know what you show them? You show them Jesus, man. There's no greater gift we can give them. If they can't pay their house payment, they can't do anything else. But for that moment of desperation, when they're in their darkest place, you can show them Jesus, man. There's no greater gift. Guys, we can, we can set up these, these ten ways to do this. We can have all these cool things. We can do all we want. Until we step back and say, you know what, it is my pride and it's an issue. Guilty? I desperately need you more than anything else. And my goal to accomplish in this world is not to be known. If that happens, so be it. God entrusts certain people to be known. Don't be jealous of them. I'm talking to myself. Don't be jealous of them. Because there's a reason that some of those people are known because they can handle it and not want it all for themselves. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is success. It's not how many people follow you. It's how many people follow Jesus because of you. Because of the way that you love and because of the way that you serve. Because of the way that you smile when you see them. It doesn't matter how they smell. It doesn't matter where they come from. You look at them and say, you know what? I want to be known for reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely. At the end of the day, when people look at me at the end of my life, I want them to not look at me and say he was a great speaker, but I want them to say he loved his babies, he loved his wife, and he loved people. If they say those three things, I don't care what else they say about me. I don't care if I pastor a church of thousands of people or if this is the biggest that ever gets. I don't care because at the end of the day, this is what God's teaching me. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because I believe that Satan can give me anything that I ask for if I'll only bow to him just like he did Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. He offered Jesus the entire kingdom. Why can't he give me what I want? So I just want to honor God. So this is our choice. We can be many parts of one body or many bodies falling apart. We can be many parts of one body or many bodies falling apart. And God will bless this house when harmony is our reality. Guys, harmony is our reality when we're all about loving and serving and growing and raising up. And I believe God has called most of you, if not every one of you, to this place. And so if he has, some of you need to stay for partnership after the next service. Some of you need to give and not hold back anymore and not do it reluctantly, but do it cheerfully because it's all God's anyway. Some of you need to serve for the first time and step up. And say, you know what, I've never served before, but I know God can use me somewhere. Guys, it doesn't matter if you're the calf muscle or the bicep or the elbow or right here at the neck. We're many parts of one body, and God's the head. Jesus Christ is the head of this place. And I believe with all my heart we're going to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And I'm not saying this is a pep rally sermon because it really doesn't feel that way, does it? I'm saying it because this is the reality of what God wants for his church. That we come together, that we love each other, that when we see one in need, we lift them up. And that we change the world because of love, not because of the way we speak. Not because of one man. If I die tomorrow, this house keeps going. And I want people to look at us and say, man, those people love people, man. That's crazy. That's the goal. Can I close with this? If you don't know Jesus and only you know that, God said you're sealed. I want you to just slip your hand up in just a second and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I've never trusted him as Savior and Lord. I realize that I've never been desperate enough to say I surrender all to you and I want to be saved today. And for everybody else, I just want to give you an opportunity as the band comes up to just say, man, I want to be many parts of one body. I want to change the world. Will you stand with me as we pray? Everybody stand up. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I really don't believe I am. I desperately want Jesus more than anything else in this world. I believe my pride has kept me from ever making a decision about Jesus. And today I want to be saved. I want to know that I know that I know that I know Jesus. Just raise your hand right where you are. Raise your hand right where you are. Say, Pastor Mark, that's what I need. That's what I need. I need Jesus to come in my life and save me. Wherever you are, I'm going to give you a few seconds. All over the room, I just want you to have a chance. Just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up as high as you can, and then you can put it down in just a couple seconds. I just want you to slip it up and say, that's what I need. That's what I need. I want everybody to look at me with all of our friends looking around. If you can't be honest in front of our buddies right here that all love you, then we're really going to struggle out there. I just want to know just honesty in front of all of our friends. I'm not asking you to come forward this morning. I am asking you to worship God with all of you. How many of you would say, Pastor Mark, the truth is I'm struggling like you are with pride. It may not look like your pride where you want to be known, but it's just the truth is I want for me. I'm not desperate for Jesus. Surrendering to him is difficult for me because I can buy my way out or think my way out. And I just want you to pray for me and I want my friends to pray for me because I want to be many parts of one body. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up wherever you are, wherever you are. Almost everybody. Almost everybody. Guys, God knows. God knows. He knows your heart. He knows your needs. And the reason I was so excited about this service is because I believe God gut punched me for a reason. I believe this church today, we will look back on June the 22nd of 2014 and say we've never been the same since. We're going to hang that picture on the wall. You'll see it when you come in next Sunday. And when you see it, give it a fist pump gently or whatever you want to do. Because I want that to be what people say about me. God, we are so blessed to be a part of your body, of your house, of your church. God, I believe the church dwells inside of me because that's where your Holy Spirit lives in every one of these people in this room that know you. So God, I pray as we leave today that when we see people and they get in our way, when they interrupt one of our parties, when they cut us off on the street, when they talk down to us at our workplace, Whatever it is, we look at them as an opportunity to love and not someone that has interrupted our lives. God, when it becomes me over we, I am violent, I am hurting, but it becomes we over me, I'm harmonious. We become like 
where two become one, we come together, and I believe we will change the world. God, give us a heart. Replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh that is only from you. I believe, God, that we will change the world today. And for the rest of eternity, this house will put a stamp on this area, this community, and around the world, not because of what we've done, but because of what work you've done in us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, two quick things that I want you guys to know. If you, if you can stay after the second service, we're going to do a partnership class. Man, we'd love for all of you guys to stay and do that. Stay afterwards, man. We want all of you to be a part. And that word, uh, that word in, the, in the Greek also means partnering. And I think that's pretty cool that we do partnership class, and that's what it means. So, and it starts with a K if y'all want to look it up, like Konoyas or something. But I didn't, whatever, I'm not smart enough to do that. But the second thing is, um, the second thing is if, you, if you have tithes and offerings, we don't pass the plate if you're new here, which I love. So um, there's boxes. Uh, just about at every exit, there's one back here and one back here, and then there's a, um, there's a giving center in the back. There's a kiosk that you can give on. You can give online or you can give back there, and we're grateful for every dollar that you give. But believe this, it's all God's anyway, and it's such a great opportunity to do what God's doing in your life. We love you guys. Y'all stand, keep standing, and worship. Go crazy with us because we have such a blessed, we are so blessed, I mean, to have this group. Don't y'all think? Don't stop believing. Huh? Don't stop believing. Y'all rock it out with us.